And it's funny because being, yeah. being, should I still keep going? I don't know. I think it's like part of the, the situation. I, yeah, I think it's experience. part of the experience, the oral experience. <laughs> Good. You should, actually, you should. I this is my life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so true. This is Foreign Or, a look into the lives of expats, immigrants, third culture kids, and aliens of all sorts. Each episode, I pick one foreigner and cross-examine that individual to determine if they're really all that different. This episode, I sit down with Thelmar Dean, a first-generation citizen whose sprawling Afro-Latino roots make answering the question, so what are you? Very complicated. So my name is Felmar Dean. I'm Dominican American. I'm a multimedia artist, and I currently live in Harlem. Well, honestly, that's very interesting. So this corner, like 125th and Lennox, I feel like as like a vortex. I feel like there's different vortexes like around the world, and there's definitely one. Like if you stand on that corner, you will see everyone. <laughs> really? Really? Yeah. If you stand on the corner, everyone is going to pass by there. And I think that's also what makes this apartment so special in the space because of the windows and the view and you can and you get all that energy. If you don't believe in energy, like there's no way living here that you can't because you feel like the pulse of the fucking city 24/7. You feel it, you hear it. And you hear it and you hear personal conversations and the music you hear music from three different places. One of my friends was gone during the quarantine for a very long time. She came back home. She was really missing New York. And we hung out on the fire escape, which is like mad New York to do. <laughs> and there's music coming from Cars, from Corner Social, and from Red Brewster. And there's three different mute songs. But there was a moment where they syncopated and everything like fell into place. And it was this crazy, special, beautiful, one of a lifetime moment like oh and that can not can only happen here but it, yeah it can only happen. so let's just start with this great story that you told me before about how felmar the flyness made it into the world okay so a little backstory my mom feel i guess my the essence of my foreigner experience is that I feel like I'm carrying the baton. Like it's my turn to like complete the trajectory that she was on. Yes. So within her trajectory, she grew up in the Dominican Republic, got married very young, had my sister, my oldest sister. Mm -hmm. Then she moved to Puerto Rico, had my second sister with a different partner, mm -hmm. and then moved to Miami. Mm -hmm where she met my father and they met at a bar that she was working at. They broke up, like they were together for like, let's say a year. And then they broke up. And then four months later, she found out she was pregnant after they broke up. How old you know, was she? She was 39. Oh, okay. So she wasn't. So she was a grown Yeah. that had lived a lot of life. So um, one day she's like going to pick up a friend from the airport and they're going up the escalator and there was a pregnant woman ahead of her that was like about to fall and so my mom went to help her and she fell. 
so when she fell, I don't know if her water broke then or when they took her to the hospital, but then they were like, we have to take the baby out. So then I was born at 23 weeks. Oh my God. So I literally was like, I fit in the palm of my mom's hand. It was like this tiny thing. I was in the incubator for the first almost two months. And then the University of Miami students, like when I finally went home like a few months later, used to visit my house like every week. And it was like, I guess kind of Corona style, like my sister, when she would come home from school, had to like shower before she could go in my room. In your house? Yeah. It was tiny, tiny, tiny. Okay, so you were tiny, tiny, tiny. And was she in that hospital by herself? Who's there? So actually, this is a great segue. I'm going to have to tell you the story of my last name because my aunt was there, My okay. I think with my sister and my other aunt, who was my mom's best friend. So the story is that in order to have my father's last name on my birth certificate, because he wasn't there, they need to show a marriage certificate. Oh. My mom was not married to my father, so she wanted to give me her ex-husband's last name. Okay. She was married to a Dominican Republic. Okay. His last name was Mareo. So my aunt went, got the marriage license, brings it, thinking of it. My aunt brought the wrong marriage license. My mom had been married to this American man named Robert Dean. What? Which is how she got her citizenship through. What? And, and that's a fucked up story too because he like tried to take advantage of her. But um so I have his last name. You have have you met Robert Dean? No. He's some older like white man from Mississippi that like I have no nothing I don't know anything about him other than that. Wow, that's crazy. Oh my god, and she's like in the hospital with her sisters. And the father, the father's not there, right? No, because he doesn't. I don't even know if he knew that she was pregnant or had a baby at that time. How big were you when you were born? Half a pound. Half a pound. Yeah, I was like eight ounces. Or something. And you have to be there every day. Every she day, had she to, had to like be there every day. Live she there. She said she used to. Yeah, she said she used to feed me cc's of milk. Because like half a pound is pretty unique. It's very rare mm -hmm. to survive. Mm -hmm. So also my mom says that she, before she had my oldest sister, she had nine miscarriages. Nine. That's so sad, like for your mom. Yeah, yeah. That's so sad. That's like, it's so hard on your body. Yeah. And your sisters were young. One of my sisters was in Dominican Republic. One, she was there until she was 14. Okay. And then my other sister was still in Puerto Rico. No, my sister came, I think, right when she broke up with my dad. So, like, I think all that happened really fast. Did she have to take care of that sister, like, in Miami? Yeah. Right, because that's what you said, your sister. Story. My sister basically raised me, like, when she was eight. My mom was like, my sister was like, this is my baby. She was like, this is your baby. And <laughs> she always says, like, mom took it so literal. <laughs> And, and she did. She used to get me ready for school, mm -hmm. make my lunch, pick me up, mm -hmm. go to my school, like forever. She's still like my mom. Um, 
<sighs> okay, she did that. And you survived. And I fucking survived. At 40. How? Oh, so also, my mom was 40, and my dad was like 50 something. <laughs> so you're a little, you then you're little, and then you get bigger. Yeah. And then you're in Miami for how long? Until I was 20. Maybe it's the ambiance, but like you feel very New York. Like maybe I, I have that as a compliment. Maybe I haven't seen you in your Miami mode. I've been here for eight years, but I've always loved New York. Also, I do definitely have like mad Miami in me. Even though I said mad Miami, I said <laughs> whatever they say in Miami. Mucho Miami. Muchísimo. Super Miami. That's what they would say. Super. I am super Miami sometimes, <laughs> but um, I don't know. That's also part of the alien experience for me is like feeling alien in all these places, feeling like home, but also not belonging. Like I love to claim New York, but then I feel like I'm not a native New York. Can I claim New York? And I, of course I claim Miami, but I'm like, I haven't been there in 17 years. It's about to be like half the same time. Yeah. Um, and then Chicago has such a like big part of my heart because I lived there for eight years. And I lived there from when I was twenty to twenty eight, which is so it's like my twenties. Yeah. I'm like I always say I gave that bitch my best years yeah. of my life. Yeah. You know? Oh man. Um. That's how I so that's another that. like foreign feeling, and um, and then of course going to Dominican Republic. So you grew up in Miami. What was Miami like? Because I've been once, but I was really disappointed in the Little Havana. Mm -hmm. I expected it to be like Cuba. I expected there to be like Miami. Well, like Cuba in what way? I guess music. I mean, more vibrant, more. It was just pretty dead. Maybe I didn't go to the right place. Mm. Maybe. Yeah. Well, well Miami to me is Cuba. As a Miami, and after going to Cuba, it's not so much the same. But, but I think maybe like Little Havana is like the tourist place. I guess now it's really funny people saying that that way, because growing up there, uh, I think that's how people I view just, Harlem too. Oh yeah, like definitely. People, there's tour buses, and I'm like, what do you expect to see? <laughs> I'm like, don't get me wrong, you're gonna get a fucking show. Right. Like, <laughs> I'm not saying that, but I'm like. Do you think like you're gonna see the ghost of Duke Ellington and like <laughs> everything's gonna be in like shades of purple, right? And, like like just jazz floating, floating over everywhere. Yeah. Like sometimes I think that like I'm like, damn, why don't I live next to a musician that's like practicing the saxophone? <laughs> right. And it's like because it's 2020. He's probably right. making beats with his headphones. <laughs> um, so I feel that. But to me, when I go back, Miami's still so like tropical fiesta. Yeah, it is like the stereotype. I feel like honestly. Um, and beach life geographically beach life is it's, my life because it's so I'm different. such a Miamian and like I'm a tropical fish is what I would say I'm a dolphin <laughs> a mammal, but, um, <laughs> there was times where we lived kind of far from the beach but mm -hmm. we would still go and it was always my favorite time and we would like usually we would go and spend the whole fucking day at the beach mm -hmm. it's like a whole day then you get, get up really early and go whatever and then I went, I, we moved to Miami Beach Okay. And I went to Miami Beach High School, which is where I graduated from. Okay. Um, so I always went to the beach. And in high school, it was crazy because I went to high school in Miami Beach. And that's when, like, MTV Spring Break started coming and, like, BET. 
and I was just like that in the streets, like. So it's changed so fucking much. Like when I was a teenager, we used to like skip school and go there. And Lincoln Road, which is now like this big outdoor mall, used to be where like, it was just like homeless people and like skaters and yeah. like outcasts, like people that would dare to go there. And it's just, you know what it is? It's literally the timeline of gentrification, right? Mm. So it's like, first it's these empty lots that um, only those people would go. And then it becomes kind of cool. So the artists are willing to live there because mm-hmm. it's cheap and they get a lot of space. And then the gays come because they are around the artists. Because, and then yeah. they make it pretty and like pop in. Mm-hmm. And then the businesses come and then it becomes a big mall. Miami used to just be the Puerto Rican hood. It was like um, in Barrio here. And now it's malls and stores and art galleries. And also, this is so controversial, I think, to say in Miami. But what happened in Wynwood, which is now the like pop in place. And maybe I'm just ignorant about how many people were displaced by it. But also, a lot of that space was just empty fucking space. Like, a lot of it was just not being Underutilized, used. yeah. yeah. Um, and, it, and I guess that is the bad part of the gentrification. They didn't make anything where it's, like, benefiting the community. So, uh, there you go. But it is, like, a beautiful space now. And when you went to high school there, was it different than where you grew up like was it more integrated like were you living you know with people that were just like you or were there different latinos so, were there- oh that so miami okay so when my mom moved there it was in like 80 82 and that's when the mariel happened which is when castro sent all the people that were in prison for whatever reason and he was like free for all you can make it go so they all came at the same fucking time, and that's where the movie Tony Montana came. Mm-hmm. So that is the time frame where my mom goes and my dad, who was involved in bad things, that's when they met. She was at a bar, like this, you know, that's when that happened. And my mom, as she was older, she had me. She got into church, and in church, I went to a very Latino church. Everybody was mostly Dominican, but there's a lot of Nicaraguans, Panamanians, Hondurians, like just people from everywhere. Bolivian, Argentina, Uruguay, Paraguay, so it's like, and that's Miami, you get, it's funny because we always say it's so diverse, and it is, but it's very specifically diverse to Latin America, so I always say it's like the capital of Latin America and the Caribbean. Yeah, it was in, it was an interesting time, it was also interesting growing up being like black or Afro-Latino because it was confusing for me and like, at home, I'm dark-skinned, but at school, when I went to black schools, I was light-skinned. And then, of course, I speak Spanish at home, which I didn't like at the beginning. Like, I hated speaking Spanish at school. And then I had, like, a Spanish teacher that, was, like, was, you know, talked to me about it. I was like, oh, you're right. You should, like, own this and, like, love it. And so I did. And um, But at the same time, if I told somebody I was Dominican, it was like, oh, okay. Or they would just be like, oh, you speak Spanish? You're Dominican. It was like... Simple. Unless there were like racist Cubans that were like, you're not really Latino because you guys are black. Which is such a weird thing. So then moving. This is a, I'll let you finish, but like I grew up in Chicago and so there's African Americans who sound and look a, a certain way. And then there's the Latinos that are like Mexican and Puerto Rican. Exactly. So And, and so I was like, the brown people, they look like this. And they speak Spanish. Black people don't speak Spanish. 
and then I came here. Oh yeah. And, and you walk around and like, I'm so surprised to yeah. hear like big black dudes have the cutest Spanish ever, or super gangster Spanish, but. I'm still not used to it because I think Espanol is for brown people. And then I went to Spain right. and I was like, speaking Spanish. I'm Argentina the same and Chile a little bit as well. But I grew up thinking in my brain like brown people are the ones that oh, speak wow. Spanish. So not even white for you? No, no, oh, no. Wow. No. The white people that I see spoke Spanish like gringos, you know? So that's so interesting because we have... The, so so then, okay, so then now I moved to Chicago and I have the biggest culture shock ever <laughs> because, like, I had grown up coming to New York visiting and so, like, I thought Chicago was like New York. Mm-hmm. And, um... And then so, you met somebody that was like me that was so surprised you spoke Spanish. Oh, yeah, every fucking day. And I was like, this is weird. Also, I... That's when I realize like oh this is america like i was like i didn't live in america in miami like this is uh, not the same fucking thing like my neighbors would be like good morning neighbor and shit like that like i didn't experience that type of shit like not in that way it was like hey, <laughs> is this you know whatever but like it was so it was just america and then it was like yeah then it was like me talking in spanish so i would talk to the mexican people in spanish they'll speak to me in broken english i'll reply to them in spanish uh-huh they understand me, so they keep going in their broken English because it hasn't registered in their mind that I'm speaking Spanish to them. They just, like, still don't... They're not even thinking. So <laughs> it's not just the white people? No, no, no. It's okay. everybody in Chicago. Okay, so then the other scenario is they're like, oh, you speak Spanish. Yes, I'm speaking <laughs> Spanish. Where did you learn? At uh-huh. home. No, not even. I was saying my mom, and they're like, Oh, your mom was a teacher. Oh, like, no, wow. we speak Spanish. Oh, where are you from? Dominican Republic. What is that? And I was like, wow, people don't know. From from like from Mexicans. From Mexicans. In Damn. Chicago. I so then I worked in the South Side with mostly Mexican students. I had some black students too, and I used to have dreadlocks at this time. And I would talk to them, and so they were like. Are you Puerto Rican Jamaican? Because they were like, you have locks and you talk Spanish like a Puerto Rican, because that's the closest that they know, and mm-hmm. that's sound. We do sound similar. Mm-hmm. Um, so they didn't know either. It was like such a thing for them. So I'm not alone in this. No, 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 no. I experienced it so much in Chicago because most of the Latinos that are Puerto Rican are Mexican. Because in, at least in Chicago, you you'll say, all they do like they need to learn English. All they do is speak Mexican, speaking Mexican to each other. It's like, that's not a thing. Or they'll call Mexican Spanish yes. or something Well, they like do that here, too. They call people Spanish Span- and Spanish. And a lot of Latinos here say Spanish or Latinx or whatever you want to call it. But also this girl I remember in college, she was like, I was talking Spanish. She was like, I knew you were some type of Mexican. I was like, what? And was she, was she Latin? Was she white? Was she-, she was black. And would you be surprised if it was a white person or a Mexican? No, I'm not surprised of anybody because I get, I honestly get it from like everybody. And so it goes back to this interesting conversation too about like Dominicans and identity and colorism and racism. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's the same here. We experience colorism too. There's always this black and dark skin, light skin shit that I've experienced my whole life and mm-hmm. I still do. Um, within the black community, there's still people that bleach their skin. Like I always say, for every Sammy Sosa, you 
have little Kim, you know, like, or Michael Jackson. So, or like how they treat Haitians is like how we treat Mexicans. Or don't go that far. Black Americans, look what's happening now. Like, what is the difference? This is actually happening from the government here. So we've all been like brainwashed and we've had things ingrained in, in our minds that are really hard to peel off and shut off and unlearn, you know, we've been conditioned globally. So yeah, it doesn't really surprise me. And even for me, like, I don't think I even identified as black for a long time either because I felt like it was different. Like, I'm like, I'm not, like, I didn't mean my skin color, I meant my culture. The way I explain it, I'm like, I didn't necessarily grow up listening to Marvin Gaye, you know, mm-hmm. like, I absolutely to Alberto Minnesota. Like, yeah. No, um, but absolutely, like, you know, the, the African-Americans have a very different history and existence and relationship. Which brings to another conversation I always have with Black Americans, which is, like, people will ask me, are you Black? And I'm like, well, you can see me and see that I'm Black. Then they're like, no, are you African-American? I'm like, well, are my ancestors from Africa and I'm American? Yes. But, like, were my ancestors slaves in America, in the United States? No, they were slaves in the Dominican Republic. Right. So it's a different experience. Like, if, if reparations happens, do I get access to that as a firstborn Dominican immigrant? You know, so it's like, where do you cross these lines? And I'm not trying to erase my blackness because it's not something I can erase. I walk down the street and I'm a black man. And especially in the United States, like, that's an experience that I can't erase or change or take off even if I wanted to. And I don't, but, like, so... I don't want. I also don't want to embrace my Latina, which has its problems too, because it's also embracing like that colonization. Mm. But it's part of my identity, right? And it's part of like all of our identities, and it's what makes us us. So I don't know. It's a complicated thing. You guys are so complicated. Yeah. In Miami, most of the Cubans I knew were white, and most uh, okay. of the Brazilians that I knew. Okay. And on TV, it was the same. It wasn't until I got older and I learned more about like the history or was exposed to these countries that I didn't realize that they're mostly black, actually. Mm-hmm. And what happens is the white people are the people that have money to leave. So they're the ones that leave. They come from money from generational wealth. That I didn't shit know. is so true. So I was like 18 and I worked on Lincoln Road in that mall at okay. French Connection. And it was like a bougie store at the time. Nice. And there used to be this wave of Mexicans for like a certain time. Because Miami is like so seasonal, such a touristy place. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So it was like a wave of these wealthy, they were very young Mexicans that would like spend so much money. I never saw teenagers like that. And I didn't expect that from Mexico because that's not what you see in the right, media. Right, right. And that's when I realized it was like, oh, but these are the ones you see in the media and the novelas that are like the rich white Mexicans. And when I went to Mexico City, I felt the same way. I was expecting to see more indigenous folk and it was very like mestizo or European looking city and people. And like, I mean, I loved it because you did have the mix of both, and um, and I also thought I was like, why are so many Mexicans who come to the United States? Like, I would just go to Mexico. <laughs> Mexico is really interesting because we think of like all these poor people coming across the border right. and like doing all the jobs that we don't want to pay enough people, the citizens, to labor. But when you go there, you realize you can live a good life a for cheap. A great life for cheap there. And it's if you can make place. it to Miami once a year, you can drop 
all that cash yep. on things that you can't get in Mexico City. Right, which now you can. Yeah, I mean, this is super interesting in terms of import taxes yeah, yeah. and... But I think that's the thing with Mexico is I'm realizing too. I'm like, it's just the proximity. It's about the proximity because we don't have a huge influence of Mexicans. It's people from Central and South America that are coming through Mexico. Anywhere else in the world, if they were that close and could literally walk to the U.S., they would. There's a big migration that's been happening since the beginning of time, but right. they're like continuing now. There's right. so much migration around the world. It's just about access, right? right? And like they have the access. So, yeah, I think it's literally shaped like a funnel, and that's what it is. Backwards. Like in 82, when she came to Miami with all these crazy influx of Cubans and crime and Miami in the 80s. Wow. Does she think fondly of that time or does she like her life here more? She is pretty, aside from her current situation, she's like getting older and she's not doing well physically. Um, aside from that, like, to sum it up, whenever I travel, she's like, why are you going anywhere? You live in the best country in the world. I wouldn't do that. That's what my dad says. There you go. To me, to himself. Same, he, and to my mom says it to herself too. She he, won't even go back to DR. She's like, it's hot. And like, I have asthma and I'm like, mom, it's the same weather as in Miami. But honestly, I was talking to my sister about this and honestly, I think she just got this like American mentality and she's like, that's ghetto. Like, I don't want to go back there. Where I'm like, girl, you live the same way. Like, and not to belittle my mom or her experience or anything. But, you know, she's fine because she lives off Medicare and, like, she's retired and they, you know, give her a little medicine and she has a little HHA that goes and takes care of her. And, you know, they pick her up and take her to the doctor, which is her, like, social life. And she mm -hmm. likes that. And mm -hmm. in Miami, it's a very normal thing. Not because I have a crazy story about that too. In but, terms um, of like being in it, that health system. Yeah, I I'll tell you. I'll try to make loop. it quick. Sorry. No, go, go. I'll try to make it a quick story. But I went. My mom was having like some health crisis, so I went and spent some time with her. And I was like, I'm gonna go to all your doctors' appointments because you go to the doctor like four times a week, and nothing has changed. Jesus Christ, why? <laughs> right. Jesus Christ. Also, my mom is obsessed with this little walker thing. Right? It's like, it has two wheels, it has a little like case that you can open, like a little pouch type of thing, and, um, and it has like, these handles, and she's obsessed with it. She does need it now, but back then, I was like, Mom, you don't need that, it's going to be worse for you because you're not used to walking already, and you're not going to like walk, try to walk. Anyway, she was like obsessed with this thing, so I go with her to the doctor, and I'm annoyed with it because it's like annoyed to carry in out all the stuff, right? 
Also, I want my mom to just be more agile, like more mobile. Yes, she yes. lives a very sedentary lifestyle. That's a very universal thing. Me too. That has nothing. That's nothing against Bummer's mama. <laughs> right. We just want our moms to be healthy. Yeah, yeah. And so we go to the. She first of all, she gets all dolled up. She has yeah. on like makeup. She has on like rings, even like on her pinky and cute. She has like these like old lady pearls. Uh huh. This is so funny. She walks into the thing and she's like, "Good morning," <laughs> and they're all like, "Good morning," like a chorus. <laughs> and it's like a show, like it's a fashion show. Okay, so then I look at them. They are dressed the same, and they all have that little walker in front of them. Wow. Right? So I'm like, oh, this is like a social thing. It's like, uh-huh. you know, my friend got the wheelie book bag. I got right. the wheelie book bag. Okay. So she has the things. So then they come out. All these people, my mom, not to put her business out there, but like she has all the ailments. She has diabetes. She mm-hmm. has high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. She has asthma. She had mm-hmm. a gallbladder removed. She has a pacemaker. Mm-hmm. She has all the things. Right? Mm-hmm. So these people come out and they're offering them cafecito. Which is mad sweet and, and these little um, pastelitos, which have sugar on them, literally have sugar on them, right? So it's like coffee with sugar and more sugar and the bread and cheese. Not good for you, not for these old people that are all in the doctor's office. So they come to give them like cafecito, they give them the thing. My mom is like, can I have another one? And my, I'm like, mom, you haven't even eaten that. And she's like, well, here's one and I want to give some to my neighbors or whatever, whatever. Like if it was synchronized swimming, they all got an extra one and they all opened up their little pouch in the walker and put it in there and closed it and then drank their cafecito. So it's like this whole thing. And I realized what it is, the, the walker, that cafecito, because I'm like, who's paying for all of this? I'm like, it's their insurance. It's just an insurance game. The same thing while they're willing to pick them up, you know, the, the insurance will pay for the van if they give them the services. It's, they're just milking the Medicare. The Medicare, by the way, that we're not going to get. Yeah. They're just using it all up on my mom and her friends. And they're fucking And you know what pastries. they do now? And you know what they do now? My mom's in a new <laughs> clinic and they do her hair. They blow dry her hair. Oh my goodness. Oh, and they do their nails, girl. They get their nails. So, that is my mom's life right now, even though that's like I the mean better it, part of it. I mean, like... Take it out of the clinic. That sounds like a great experience that I'm sure she, right. is, that I'm sure she deserves, and all those ladies deserve. But that's fucked up. Their life is yeah. like going to the doctor. Oh yeah, right. You know what it is. I'll tell you what it is from my mom. Is the medicine. So they give you a prescription for asthma, and it makes your blood pressure go up. So they give you a prescription for blood pressure, and it makes your gallbladder. So not only is it doing those things that you're adding prescriptions, but all of those prescriptions have different side effects. So mm-hmm. now like, you get chest pains and you get headaches and you're depressed mm-hmm. and then you get medication for all of those things. And then you get bloated and you get fat and you get, you're sitting there and you're depressed and you, it's a cycle and it's all the prescription. Honestly. That's my guesstimate, my conspiracy. And that's what happened to my mother. I don't know about my grandma if she's taking pills like that, but that's definitely... Like my mom has a lunchbox full of pills. That she carries, that she has to carry. And so, I mean, she has access to these th- these things, and the cafecito sounds really nice. But like, does she have peers in the DR that are her age that are there that aren't getting Medicare, that aren't getting this kind of? And what is their life like? Well, I never thought about that, but her brothers that have had the same stuff have 
passed away from it. Really? Yeah. That's and sad. that shit, That's like, really you know, sad. like diabetes where their legs have been cut off and then they die. Like two of her brothers. And one of them currently is alive, but he's not same same age around the same age actually younger one is, younger one older. is diabetes a big deal in the dr yeah yeah, yeah. and in the you know latin and black and in my family specifically but the dr is also a big sugar producing so place. i you asked like, the great the best question because it's things that i always talk about randomly with people and so I'm going to bring a full circle, it's going to sound random, but, so you know how the, like one of the big problems with our climate change mm-hmm. is meat consumption, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is because poor people are now, have access to meat and mm-hmm. consumption, and so they're eating it more. Mm-hmm. The way that capitalism works is like it's like a pyramid right mm-hmm. so like there's a one percent or one person at the top and then it trickles down there's more people if we look at it in terms of slavery it's still the same thing so there was a plantation owner yes and his wife then it was his kids then it was like the lighter skinned slaves that were allowed to work in the house and then there was the people in the field right and so there was a lot more people in the field so the access that you got to the things were trickled down, right? Like the foods that the slaves ate were right. the scraps that the plantation owner had. Right. Right? And that's what we made like our best meals from, right? Mm-hmm. That Dominicans still eat to this day, that black people eat to this day. So the wealthy people of the world have gotten so fucking wealthy that the poor people, including myself because I'm poor, have so much access. Like I went to fucking Indonesia and like China and Thailand and like I've been able to travel. I'm poor as fuck. But the fact that my poor ass can go to these other places just means that I live in such a wealthy ass country that that money has trickled down to me. Oh yes. And so the same thing is with the meat. So like the meat that we're consuming at this crazy rate is not the meat that the wealthy people are eating. Actually wealthy people probably now and intellectuals, they're probably not eating meat because they're like, this is bad. So that even that information trickles down to us in a slower rate where we're like, oh, we shouldn't be consuming these things. Mm-hmm. And so I'm also realizing like we're addicted to these things. So we're addicted to meat. And I learned this through Corona because I started like trying to eat better and like let go of eating meat. And I'm like, I'm literally addicted to it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, I just want that flavor. Even if it doesn't make me feel good or doesn't even taste as good as I thought, I just want it. And it's the same thing with sugar sugar and we're the it's like the biggest addiction and it's crazy because we vilify people for having let's say an addiction to heroin right and like now you're a heroin addict and you're this horrible person but people can be addicted to sugar and get diabetes and we're just like oh i'm sorry that sucks like Mm -hmm. fucking diabetes well, it's the same fucking thing, right? Because you want to tell the person, why didn't you get help with your fucking heroin addiction? Your face. And it's the same shit when you <laughs> tell somebody, like, why didn't you get help with your sugar addiction? And what's happening is, like, we are Dominican Republic, as the slaves there, what they were cultivating was the sugar cane to make sugar so that they could bring it here and make rum so that it can go to England. So the wealthy British could drink rum. That's what we were doing. And it's the same fucking thing. So we didn't have access to sugar, even though we made it and cultivated it. 
So we don't know how to consume it. And that's why we're so addicted to it. And we're always going to, like, not always, but for a long time, we're having it in our diet. So, like, going back to, like, sugar cane and diabetes. And I think that's what's happening is that now these poor populations that never had access to these ingredients, these spices and these things, now do. And we're abusing it. We're over-consuming it because we've never, we hadn't had it in our life long enough to know how to use it properly. But it's access, you know, it's like, I equate it to like when a rapper gets money and they buy, every, they spend all their money on chains. It's like the stupidest fucking thing, but like they just never had it. So they overconsume that thing. I also, I mean, do you, do you, okay, so, yeah, let's get into this, these guys. This is so typical. Yeah. I wish I could video this. What what is that music? Where's that music coming from? Probably Red Rooster. And it's Sunday, so it's very churchy. <laughs> Listen to those chimes. It's those like are the organ. Yeah. So you were in Miami, then you went to Chicago, very different. So then you go to the DR and tell me what precipitated this trip back home. You're right. So I had always wanted to, I guess, find my father and like his kids. I knew he had kids. And um, prior to that, like probably 10 years before the trip, this man that knew my father, this older man, was like, I know where your dad is. He's in the five corners. And he's like, he just said that, which I don't know what that meant. Uh, and so I was like, okay, that's like the one clue that I had for a very long time. He's and, very um, mystical. Oh, he's in the five corners playing dominoes. Sorry. La cinco esquinas jugando dominoes. So I tell my mom, I'm like, saving my pennies, I want to go to DR. I want to meet my dad, and I also want to meet your side of the family that I've only met over the phone. Mm -hmm. Like, some of them I have met that have come, but there were some that couldn't make it, so they didn't, they were always in DR. So I was like, you should meet me there, or I'll come, I'm going through Miami anyway, we can go together. She wanted to go, like, a month earlier, and as I told you, she doesn't like being in DR. So she left before I got there, which was really annoying, I was really mad, because... It was kind of weird and awkward. Like I'm like I'm meeting all my uncles and cousins and family members, but like I never met them before, and I'm staying in their house. So I go. She's not there. When I get there, though, my uncle is now passed. At the time, was there, and he was holding a sign, but I didn't see the sign. I just saw his face, and I knew he was my uncle because he looked exactly like my mom without hair. <laughs> and it was so creepy and not exciting. Uh, and then when I see the sign, he has I'm it upside of my down. Mom. Oh my god, I'm thinking of my mom without hair. Girl, <laughs> it was not cute. Okay, wait, and the sign? The sign was upside down. With my so that gives you one picture of my uncle. Then we're getting in the car. At this point, I've traveled a few places and I was like, I know how this goes. These taxi drivers are going to try to take advantage of me. So I'm like very like alert. And my uncle just like was like, come on, just get in this one, this one. And I'm like, what? And so I'm like trying to talk to the driver, like find out how much it was in my And then I'm like trying to negotiate. My uncle's like, no, 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 it's fine. And I'm like, it's fine. I'm like, that's good. It's 
like that's a normal price. And he's like, you're paying for it. And I'm like, oh my God. So okay. I'm here five minutes and the hustler that I'm worried about is my uncle. That looks like your bald mom. Yeah. <laughs> or a so, bald version of your mom. Yeah. So then we get to the house. I meet everyone. Everyone's really sweet. And like, uh, my aunt takes me to the, she has like a little store, I guess at the time and she used to make food and she would like sell and people come for lunch and everybody everywhere plays dominoes so we would sit outside play dominoes and drink and whatever so we're doing that and i think we were doing like the same thing the second day so it was either the first day that i was there or the second day and my uncle the one that's like my mom is his name he's like let's go look for your daddy like in spanish but in that look so Okay, so we, I don't know where the hell we are, right? Like, I've never been here. Sorry, your uncle was the one, the old one that told you the mystical clue 10 years earlier? No, it was Is this it other different? man who at this point was dead. Wow. So I just had this clue. So I'm, my uncle is just telling the people the same thing. He's like, take me to the five corner. So I'm like, I don't know what that is. So he, I eventually find out it's a neighborhood. And Domino's is so big there that they have Domino's Club. So what we were doing, we found the Domino's Club of the Five Corners. So we were talking to the guy who's the president. And he's probably like in his 50s, 60s, maybe. So we're, at, we're telling him, look, I'm looking for my dad. His name is, they call him Felipito. His name is Felipe Castillo. So he's like, I don't know. He's like, that name sounds familiar, but I can't place him. So he's just like thinking, thinking of nothing. And I'm like, I don't know. I was like, he's a lot older than you. So like, at this time he was like in his seventies. Yeah. So I was like, he's a lot older than you. You probably weren't part of the club. And he was like, no, I know everybody. I know all the old heads. Like, he's like, just let me call some people and come back in like twenty minutes. So I'm like telling my uncle, I'm like, he's too young. We gotta ask an old guy. So I'm like, look, there's an old man. <laughs> Let's ask that old man. <laughs> so my uncle, not so, is like telling him this long story he's like so my sister moved to new to miami and she met this guy and i'm like basically this podcast yeah, yeah literally i'm like so i'm like listen i'm looking for this guy they call him felipito and he's like you're his son and i was like what and i was like yeah how do you know he's like you have the same little face i just came from his house i'm gonna take you to his house. he's gonna have to give me some money for this news like let's go so i'm like all right so what are you feeling so I was like, oh shit. And I was also like, is this man trying to hustle us? Is it him? Is it just another guy named Felipito? Like And the family that you were staying with was not related to your dad? No, this right. is my mom's family. So they could have known him or have seen him or known about him, but they had no relation with yeah, him at all. Right. Because my mom met him <laughs> in Miami. Right. So they and they had always lived in Tijuana. Because it seems like you know, does this uncle of yours, is he like trying to calm you down or, or bring you up or be like, well, it's okay if we don't find him or, or is there just no, I, I don't know. I don't know my uncle. I think my uncle, he loves my mom. They're, they were very okay. close. And I think he's just like, my sister told me to help my, her, my nephew and I'm just going to help. Also like, not to put him down, but. He's a very, he always has his like uh, ulterior motive. So he probably thought like, oh, if I hang out with him, he'll give me money and stuff, honestly. 
Um, but I, he does have a genuine heart. And like I was talking to my friend about this because he recently passed. Like he was just uneducated. And yeah, like, yeah. I don't know how else to explain it. You know, yeah. he's just like a hood ass dude. Like, but he had a good heart. Yeah. Um, he met well. So. So um. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna take you. I was just there. So I'm like, as we're walking, I'm feeling very anxious. My heart is beating, and I'm like, is it the right man? Am I gonna see? Him? Am I gonna recognize him? I've only seen him when I was a baby. Like. I had so many questions in my mind. As we're walking, though, he's asking people, have you seen Felipe? And they're like, I just saw him. So I'm like, this is really crazy. Like, I'm in this man's shadow. Like, what the fuck? So I'm like, walking, we're walking. And so I'm thinking, like, how am I going to know if it's him? So all I remember is he was tall, he was dark-skinned, and he had fucked up nails, fingernails. And I remember my mom confirming it because she said that he worked um, putting tiles on floors, and I think he, that's how he fucked up his fingers. Yeah. So we go, he yells his name, and I'm like, oh my god, like, I'm gonna recognize his voice, like, any of this shit, you know? Like, like your uncle yells, Filipito, into yeah, the ether. The, not my uncle, the man. And he, well, the, well, he yells it when we get to his building, and he's like, hey, Toyaki. So he's like, so we're there, so we're walking up, and then I saw him. And, okay, so then I walk into his apartment, and this is like, heartbreakingly like really humble but very clean like place it was just a tiny little apartment and actually he just because he didn't have money i guess the decorator wasn't in him but like it wasn't that much smaller than this place it was actually probably bigger yeah um, interesting interestingly enough but i just remember feeling like wow like this is where you ended up at this age mm-hmm. you know? and, like, this is where your life went um Sorry, I'm just like back. In no, I'm thinking about that too. I'm th- I'm really thinking about that. But it's it like at 27, I w- coming from Miami where you always live in a house True. that has a front yard and True. a backyard. These are tiny spaces. True. You know? And coming from Chicago, Chicago. Where the apartments are huge and right. way cheaper. But anyway, so I'm there and I'm just thinking about the space. You know what's actually funny? I never told anyone this, but I remember like wanting to sleep over. Not necessarily like that day but like at some point you know like wanting to have like time with my dad you know like alone and you thought and that in before his you no 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 when i was there so you got to this tiny apartment and you were like i could i could we could do a bonding night. yeah yeah oh before that the his friend is like listen i don't know what your intentions are but he's like an older man who was very sick before Things happen amongst parents, like, don't try to, like, harm him type of thing. And I was just like, I'm not here to harm him. I literally just want to meet him. I don't even know if he wants to meet me. You know, I just want to, like, meet him and say that I met him. I can't believe he's alive. Honestly, for a long part of my life, I was like, I just figured he might have died. He was older. And I was just like, at the time, until I was young, I was like, 70 something, he's dead. You know, like. For sure. I'm like, to me, that's oldest. At that point now, I'm like, oh, my mom's 70. She's young. But like then, I was like, he's dead, he's old. So the man's telling me, don't harm him. I'm like, that's not my intention. I just want to like that. Um, he also, like on the walk, he's also like, let's just see if he knows who you are. Let's just tell him you're my nephew from the States. So I was like, all right. So we do that, he introduces us, whatever. He's sitting down. I'm staring at him because I'm like, I'm seeing my dad. I want to see if I look like him, if I recognize him. Like I'm just trying to take it all in. I want to remember what his face looks like. 
So he's looking at me like, why the fuck is this kid staring at me? Also, like, my dad is, like, sending something, like, old school Dominican man. I have, like, a nose ring and, like, earrings yeah. and, like, my American ass style. And you're just new. Right. You're new. So I don't know what the fuck he's thinking. You know, like, I, I could easily see, and my mannerisms and with my piercing, I could easily see them knowing that I'm gay. Mm. Really? Yeah, I always just assume everybody knows until otherwise. So that's also going through my mind because it's a very homophobic place. And I'm just like, oh, I also don't know how the fuck he's going to, like, take this in. So then he, I think he was just like, something's up. So he's like, who is this again? Like, so then I, he was like, um, it's your son. And he was like, what's your name? No, he's like, from where? And I was like, Miami. And he's like, Aldo. And I said, no. And he was like, Belmar. And I was like, yeah. And so then we hugged and we cried. And then my uncle hugged us and he was crying. And then they were all, the other man was crying. So it was like all these grown ass men crying. He said, my mom, he's like, you're gracias, son. And then I don't remember like much of the specifics of the conversation, but I remember asking him about his kids. There is Robert, who's the oldest boy that I knew of at the time. And he lived in DR and my dad saw him all the time. Okay. So I got to meet him and I met, and then so Robert, and Myra, and Myra lives in the Bronx. Then there is another one, I think his name is Francisco, and he's in a prison in DR, um, and in a really bad one, it's called La Victoria, which is like a bad prison. Okay. Then there is Aldo and Elaine. Okay. And then there's me, and then there's Kiara, who lives in the Upper West Side. Okay. So I met Robert when I was there. When I came back to the Chicago, to the state, I'm Facebooking, finding my sibling. And I'm trying to find Aldo and Elaine because I know they're from Miami. My mom told me I was not allowed to meet them because they didn't know that their stepdad was not their dad. Ooh. So I reached out to them, confirmed it's them. They never had a stepdad. Their mom just never told them about their dad. They didn't know anything. Oh, I told them okay. their name, and I was like, go look on your birth certificate, because they're the only ones that have his last name. And, and, and I've met all of them except for the one that's in jail. And then two years after I met my dad, he passed away. Hmm. And so me and my little sister, Kiara, we went together to the funeral, and we met a bunch of his siblings and his friends. And then we found out we have another brother who's the oldest, and we didn't know about him because they're from different political parties and didn't speak to each other. Wow. What did your dad or your uncles or your family that lived there and has never lived here, what do they not understand about the, like, the states? Like, your life here or you? Okay, yeah. So, well, when I, the first time I went, a few things happened. One, they were like, why do you talk Spanish like a Mexican? Also, it took me maybe, like, a day to, like, fall in sync with the rhythm of their speech, like, and it's funny because like my mom doesn't speak any english and like i grew up with so many people that didn't mm -hmm. but they were so much faster like 
you know when there's like just a lag on, on TV? Like that's how it yeah, was. Yeah. So it took me like a whole day to finally, like it was just so chopped up, you know, mm. Africanized. Other thing that was crazy, so back to my crazy uncle Ramirez, one time I wanted to go to the ATM. So I was like, can you take me to the ATM? So he's like, all right. He takes my debit card and is like waving it on the street and is asking people where he can get money with this card, like going like that. And I'm like, can you give me my card because somebody's going to take this? But then also going to the ATM, they all used to huddle around me Whoa. as I would take money out. And then because the money is such a big exchange, so much money would come out. So they were like, we're well, taking out way too much money. Um, I knew like a lot of Dominicans in the States grow up knowing that their family is poor and you're used to sending them things, either money or your old baseball cleats or your shoes or whatever. And they keep it or they sell it. So we're kind of used to that. So going there, I already was used to like giving them, like in my mind, I was like, I have to give them a certain amount of money and I'm going to bring clothes. I also was like, they're going to ask me for the stuff I have. So I'm not going to bring anything I'm not willing to give them. Um, so a lot of that happened. And one night it was like Christmas Eve. So they were like having invited people over. So I was like, I'm going to get liquor. So I was like, I saw the liquor prices. And I was like, this is so cheap. So I was like buying all this liquor. And I think it was like maybe like $80 worth of liquor or something. They were freaking out. They were like, this is way too much. But in college, I'm like, that's what I spent on one, yeah. like drinking, please. Like. And for, just for myself. Also in New York, now, $15, like, $15 drinks, that's like four drinks is 60 bucks. So five drinks is like five bottles. Yeah. You know, I'm like, everybody's drinking. So that was like also a really weird, like, cultural shock thing. And what do you drink? Or what did you drink? It's so weird. They drink scotch and whiskey, and it's such a weird thing. Like, I remember, I used to work in advertising, and I remember they were doing this, like, focus group on it on this on doers the label and like, i didn't know that dominicans love doers and like johnny walker wow it's such a dominican thing but i didn't know until i went there i was like where the fuck did that come from yeah what else can you get there or not get there so my family because we live in the states the family that lives there they have stuff so they have like a generator and air conditioning and computers and tv and stuff okay. but their neighbors don't and like their neighbors don't have like indoor plumbing, like their bathroom is outside. The lights, the electricity, the power goes off all the time. And so that's another like weird, beautiful thing because the lights go out, everybody goes outside, they bring out the candles, flashlights, lanterns, they play dominoes, they tell stories, they play cards, they sit out there and have a drink, they listen to music. I, that's when I really understood my American privilege the simple fact that like any time that you go to flip a switch you know that the light's gonna come on if it doesn't you're gonna raise all hell like but for them like that's just a part of life like oh the light the lights went on now we gotta wait what about the water so you can't well we can't americans can't drink the water so we always i would always drink bottled water and then they my family in particular at the time they didn't have hot water for some reason or they had hot water, but it was like a limited thing. Like mm -hmm. they had like a, I don't know, like a small, like water a small water container yeah, okay. thing. So it wasn't that big. So they would boil a lot of water. Also, in terms of water, they also had like a well in their house, um, which I guess for a third world country sounds <laughs> kind of bougie. Like, oh, you got a well? <laughs> like, now, you know, it's because my mom grew up 
in the mountains going to fetch water somewhere else, you know, like not having water or like... Your mom grew up in the mountains. In the mountains, girl. Like... Fetching water. Fetching water. In a... In a bucket. In a bucket. And they had, you know, like little chickens, pigs, and like goats and shit. And now your mom goes to the doctor <laughs> three, four times a week. Right, and she gets her hair blown out. That's why she doesn't want to go back. Exactly. I mean, I mean, it's a different planet. That's like, yeah. it's a different time. And that's what's so weird with like my relationship with my mom is so... We're from different generations. We're from different countries. And we have such huge different like generational gap and educational levels. The world has also changed so much in the last like 20 years where my mom hasn't changed in the last 40 years. I'm not even exaggerating <laughs> or trying to belittle her. But, like... I mean, yeah. The world has literally just moved on without her, and she still does, like, the same stuff and things. So it's like she hasn't evolved. I'm not trying to belittle my mom. I love her. Where I'm just, like, the product of this, like... And I live in New York City in this super progressive environment and education... And she has a third grade education and is from the countryside of a poor ass country. So like, it's so hard for us, I guess, to understand each other. I feel like it's for her to understand me. Um, and sometimes I don't even have the vocabulary because of my, I don't feel like I have limited Spanish, but it is limited Spanish in that like, I can't express myself the way I can. So that's difficult. And also, she doesn't have the education, she doesn't have the emotional intelligence. So, like, it's really difficult to have open conversations like I can have with a stranger or a seemingly stranger than I can with my mom, you know? So, but what can you talk to your mom about that you can't talk to That's a any, anybody else? Really just, like, family stuff. And sometimes, like, our best conversations are when it's just us, usually during the holidays, and, like, maybe I'll sleep over or she'll sleep over. And um, and maybe that's why I wanted that with my dad. I was going to ask you. And um, then I ask her, like, tell me about your childhood. Yeah. Where did you live? What was it like? And, like, you know, what did you eat? Like, what was school like? What were your brothers like? You know, that What were your fears? What were your hopes? Yeah, what did you want to what do? What were your dreams? Right. Like, is this the thing that you thought to yourself when you were right. carrying water? Is that you wanted to be sick somehow, but being taken care of right. in a fancy country? I would say, yeah. She's like, I just want to be taken care of. I'm tired. I oh, think she yeah. was just tired. I mean, she. that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Just being older. Yeah. And wanting to be, you know, not have, not needing to work. That for sure, yeah. How much does she know about your life? She knows about. Does she know about your relationships? Who? No, she doesn't know about my relationship. She's in denial that I'm gay. Because the other day, so I called her a few weeks ago. And Dominican Republic, it's custom when we greet your mom, you say bendición, mami, and she says Dios te bendiga. So it's like saying bless, mom, and she's saying God bless. You. Nice. So for short, we always say Siong Mami, right? So I said, I call her and I'm like, Siong Mami, and she's like, ¿Por qué tú me hablas así? And I'm like, how? I just said the proper way. And she's like, you're supposed to say, Bendición Mami, ¿Cómo estás? And I was like, okay, girl. Like, <laughs> I just, like, it's the same thing, right? So a week passes by. She 
not to get off topic, she falls, like all this traumatic mm. shit happens. Mm. And she's going through all this trauma, whatever. So I'm like calling her and I'm like concerned. And like I had, it was a few days of me trying to talk to her. But she had been in the hospital and she was tired. When she was home, so like I hadn't been able to talk to her. So my, I'm talking to my sister who I kind of talk to every night. And my sister's like, mom's here. So she's like, say hi. So I remembered. And I was like, bendición, mami. ¿Cómo estás? She goes, háblame como un hombre. She said, talk to me like a man. I'm like, what? But I was just sure. like. So my sister was like, and my sister was like, what does that mean? Yeah. And she's like, <laughs> So my sister was like, you know what? You're not going to talk to him. Now you don't get to talk to him. So then I was like, yeah, I don't want, I don't, I never really want to talk to you. So like, is I'm she, not. Is she mad at you? She's just like that. Hmm. That's and the annoying. thing is, like, I do live in a great bubble of, like, friends and family that, like, I don't have arguments with anyone. <laughs> like, I don't have toxic or negative energy around me. Yes. So it's so weird. And then usually people that are like that, they don't affect me because I'm just like, I'm never going to interact with you. Like, I just immediately remove them. You're no longer an equation. But she's my mom, so I can't do that. And it still stings for whatever reason. So it's like, oh, it's frustrating. And then I can't be like, bitch, you yeah. know? <laughs> like, so you just gotta take it, right? You're just like, okay. What do you do in life as an adult? Ooh. So I feel and like I'm so loaded now. You can, I or know. maybe not, not just now, but like for me as a person, because I've been trying to figure it out for a while. I know. <laughs> Tell I me know. about projects, because I understand projects. So okay, that's So what I've been working on during COVID, um, a friend of mine is a musician, and I actually used to work with her as a manager, but we always collaborated really well together, and so because she's an artist we're always sharing ideas and thoughts and stuff but we're very similar in the way that we work um so i usually do multimedia collages and um i had studied film in chicago for a while and so i kind of wanted to try to push my work and try to meld those things together and now i felt like i had this time that i wanted to take advantage of and so i started like doing these little stop motion animations with my collage and so i had shared a snippet with her and she loved it and was like, oh my God, I'm working on this seven song album. I would love for you to do all the videos. Um, and she kind of stopped making music. So it's kind of like a renaissance for her, for myself. Her partner is the one that produced the whole album. So it's okay. like a collaborative project together. Um, also during the time of being in quarantine, I wanted to find the positivity in it and especially as a new yorker like always complaining of not having time to work on art it got me through a really good portion of the quarantine um at the same time another art friend of mine that used to teach at a at art at a high school and they were looking for an artist to do a mural to commemorate their graduating class because they weren't able to have a graduation due to covid um and so I submitted like a few pieces and they selected me. So those are the two major projects that I've worked on during COVID and I want to continue to push 
that uh, medium, and hopefully even do some stuff with like, some of the audio that we recorded today. And you're in a really good city to do it. Yeah. Have you ever thought of going back to Chicago or Miami? Like, do you think that there's more opportunity in other cities in terms of what your goals are now? So crazy because my whole, literally my whole life, I've always wanted to be in New York. Okay. Especially because of the art and the opportunities. But during COVID, during these crazy times, during these like expensive times in New York, it's made me think about so many other things. Also, like I came to New York as a like 29, almost 30 year old. Mm -hmm. And it's so different coming to a city as an adult than if you're coming in as a student. Like Absolutely. I always feel like as a student, it's like the best way because you're networking without realizing. Absolutely. And you're just exploring and you have so many resources at your fingertips. And it's funny because I'm not necessarily like a college advocator, but I am actually because of that. Because I'm like, I don't even think it's about the things that you're selling. It's about everything else. And they don't get, get it. Those kids don't appreciate it. <laughs> exactly. They really don't understand what that time is just such a condensed point to get internships. You know, like use your student ID to get into museums for cheap or, right. or even for us in art school to have access to cameras. Oh yes. And like equipment. Yes. And, or just people that are constantly in that mind frame that you are in of like whatever it is, learning or researching or like figuring out. Do but, you think you need to go back to school? Yes and no. It's like, so part of me is like, oh, I always wanted to at least get my master's. So it was just part of like the childhood fulfillment of that. Mm -hmm. I also always envisioned myself as a retired, like as I got older, as like a professor, like an adjunct professor. Like, oh, I make art right now, like adjunct professor. Um, and to do that, unless you have like a dope ass art career, you should get your MFA or your master's. Sure. And just because I like learning, it puts me in that mind frame. It gives me the structure to learn. Like, I'm not that disciplined as I wish I was. No. And so that helps me being in that setting and having those conversations that, like, you just don't get. Um, luckily, and then maybe that's what gravitates us to New York, too. Because why I don't like in Miami is because that you're not going to experience that often. And in New York, you can hear that shit on the subway, on the restaurant, and the coffee shop wherever you know people are having like amazing conversation about a plethora of subjects so you're a first generation american you were born in miami tiny 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 baby what what about when you meet a peer or somebody younger that's like excuse the term but fresh off the boat from the dr mm -hmm. do you feel like you're closer to them than you ever could be with your mom is it just an age thing or mm, do you still feel that like super deep no i feel so american <laughs> i feel so american compared to them and like Somebody yeah because like for came. example like i used to work across the street at corner social and like there was like some a lot of people you know in restaurants a lot of people are immigrants and and it's just a very big difference and in particularly me too like i think also because i look black american and because i've accepted that Part of me in that culture the other thing is like why i sit while i do say like i didn't grow up on marvin gay or teddy pendergrass mm -hmm. i kind of did because in my school buses that's what we would play and i spent a lot of my childhood on a school bus Interesting. um and also i went to a lot of black american schools so i adopted a lot of that culture 
and um, so I do feel very Americanized, even though I still feel so Dominican. Especially because I feel like I'm like my mom is the Dominican Republic. Like I'm like she's stuck in this bubble of this, you know. But yeah, it's like those weird in betweens of like feeling foreign. Like even for example, even my sister Kiara, who grew up here, she feels more Dominican to me than I feel to myself because she listens to the music all the time. Mm -hmm. And even now, like I love salsa and I love bachata and I love merengue, but like. I don't have the depth of knowledge of that that they do. Mm -hmm. And the other thing for me, because we grew up in the church, we weren't allowed to listen to secular music at home. So, like, if I got that, it was, like, at school or a friend's house. Ah. You know, like, my by that time, my mom was, like, very strict Christian woman. And so we didn't listen to that kind of stuff. Unless it was, like, at a cousin's house on Christmas. Right. Or, like, when I was a teenager and I would go to the music festivals. But so like, she wouldn't, like, let you play it in the house? No, no. What I'm saying is like you know how like your dad played like the Beatles for you. Yeah, My yeah. mom wasn't playing like Hector Lavoe, you yeah. know, like, um, and she would sing her 1940s song songs, but that she would sing. But I didn't. I that music. I've. It's been until now that like there's like Spotify and you can find that kind mm -hmm. of music. But that kind of music that she would like sing at home while she was cleaning, you can't. You're not gonna hear it on the radio because it's like from the 40s. Okay, I have one last thing to ask you. Uh, what do you wish for the DR? Or what do you wish for Dominicans? I feel like you are American, but you have these people, including all these siblings, that maybe you don't have that connection, that physical connection, because mm -hmm. your mother passed. And you want to go back, but you're... You, you spend so little time there so it's a weird question to ask but like what do you wish about that place or for the people it's not a weird question because i feel so um connected to them even but having that that drive but it's like whatever. a weird it's a weird connection because i still am distant you know like i don't call as much as i should or reach out and there's like some guilt of like not having money or something to send to them or like but like in general like time countrymen or bust the place well I, so the thing is for me it's like levels so like i have wishes for myself there for my family there and for the country for sure and then for the diaspora of dominicans like around the world so i'll go from bigger to smaller so for the diaspora i wish we could accept our blackness more and like celebrate it more and like unlearn a lot of things I also want to see a lot of us repatriate and like go back and like take the things that we've learned in terms of like infrastructure and economic structures and like bring that back and like help the country develop. It's very depressing when I go. Like and as much as I love it, it's really fucking heartbreaking to see people like naked in the streets be poor. There's little kids that have a kite, their kite is a plastic bag on a string. Not lying and they're fucking naked. And they're little kids, and they're like, and it's sad. You're like, oh my god, you know? Um, I'm not no, no, no. I, it's fine. It's like I get it. It, and so there's a lot, and just like infrastructure, like the garbage is like on the street, and they like burn it. You know, mm -hmm. ours is like fake good because we do the same thing, just burn it somewhere else. But right. like, right, 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 right. But, but it's at least in front it's not of your, in front yeah. of well, in New York. It is, but it's at least it's in a bag, right? 
and then for the country, right? Like I want to see it evolve. I want to see it grow. I'm very proud of like the story of like the Miraban sisters, these three sisters that were the like the catalyst for the revolution there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so crazy because they, I'm like, where did that go? You know, where did that momentum go? So I would love to see that be like re-energized and reinvigorated within the country. Um, for my family, I want to see them prosper. I want to be able to help. And for myself, like I want to buy land there and build like not only like houses for myself and my family, but also like um, businesses that like will help thrive and that like will bring people and commerce to it. So I do have a lot of like wishes and goals and ideas for the DR and Dominicans for sure. Do you have Dominican American family members or friends that want also want to go back? My sister and I have been talking about it. We're like, we want to reach because I'm like, we need to think about retiring. You know, I telling my sister, I'm like, girl, we need to have land. We have a compound. We don't have to have the same house, but your house could be by my house. Maybe the like, we'll have like a a patio of sort that match that like connects. You'll have like a line of tape. That side yours. This is my side. And then we'll meet me in the morning for coffee on a rocking chair, and hopefully we'll be looking at the beach, and then we can go to the beach. We can bike, we can swim, whatever. But beach. Yeah, the beach. That's what I want. And I want land. I want to like be able to eat from my land, and I want to fish, and I want to like you know do some yoga, ride some bike, paddleboard, you know. And I and so the business, not to give too much, but like I want to. I have a big business idea and I want to do like uh, artist retreats there so then like, I'd host and um, like spend that time. Don't bury that in your voice. Don't say it with your chest. Say it with your chest. <laughs> say it like a man like my mama told me. <laughs> no, it's Follow Felmar's epic journey to self-knowledge via his multimedia art. Check out his website. Follow his IG. And wherever you are, whatever you are, let people know that you can't be categorized, cataloged, or branded, okay? And remember, say it with your chest!